Howdy, everyone. Welcome to Star Trek Culture. I'm your host, Diana Ahmed, here with my co-host, Stephen Schinder. We are here today to talk about Star Trek, the original series, season one, episode five, The Enemy Within, as part of our epic rewatch of all of Star Trek. You can catch Star Trek Culture on Culture Slate on all the usual platforms. You can also reach us at Star Trek Culture Podcast at gmail.com. If you are interested in joining our Patreon account, there is some information below. If you join our Patreon account, you get to hear about upcoming um, behind-the-scenes items and get first looks at other, um, other behind-the-scenes things as well. So, Stephen, this one was a little fun to watch. What did you think? Yeah, so it, it was definitely... It definitely had its scary moments. Yeah. Um, but it was definitely well executed and one of the stronger episodes out of these early few. Mm-hmm. Um, and a- after we watched the previous one, The Naked Time, I looked up what the next one would be and I saw it, you know, Enemy Within. And I was like, okay, this is, wow, I didn't realize the Mirror Universe was brought this early in the series. And then... Yeah. When we watch it, it's I'm like, here. wait, what? <laughs> yeah, it's the yeah, because like I, I, I forgot that this had to do with like a transporter splitting Kirk into two Kirks, but like, like this had to have like inspired the mirror universe stuff at least partially later yeah. on, right? Yeah, yeah. When we get there, we'll find out more. I try not to like read too far ahead into the production notes to see what uh, transpired from that and. It's funny, like, we talk about this all the time. Whenever we're watching these things, we've seen these a million times. We've heard about every story, but it's all new. Like, you forget. Our capacity to forget <laughs> is immense on these things. It's like, oh, that's right. I didn't know. I didn't know. And then you're like, oh, wait, I did know that. I literally have evidence that I know that. <laughs> so, um, but this episode, uh, it has um, a scene that is, even to this day, a little cringy, but important yeah. to watch. It's, it's unfortunately still relevant. Yeah, unfortunately, like we still have this issue with um, with the enemy within. Like you said, it's a transporter exercise, a transporter accident, and um, it's written by the one and only Richard Matheson. And you're yeah, fan. yeah. Well, at least of um, I'm Legend, which is my favorite uh, or one of my favorite novels. It's like I, I know there have been like a few different film adaptations, but the book is like the best version. I, I love the ending, ha- how it explains the title, and he, I've also read some short stories of his. I remember around the time the movie Real Steel came out, uh, that might have been 2011. Um, that there's like this anthology of some of his stories that was released called Steel and other stories because. That movie, um, which is like with the boxing robots, it was yeah. loosely based on a short story of his called Steel, which was even adapted into a Twilight Zone episode. And he's written a bunch of Twilight Zone episodes, um, including star? Will, Bill Shatner. <laughs> yeah, Will, Willie himself. Yeah. <laughs> Nightmare at 20,000 feet. Is one yes. of them. It's still everyone's favorite. And even the Bernie uh, meme on it is pretty funny, too. <laughs> right. I mean, they even reimagined it for, like, I think it was part of or the basis of a Twilight Zone movie later on. And then, mm-hmm. if yes. I'm not mistaken, and it, it was also reimagined for 
the Jordan Peele iteration of the Twilight Zone um, more recently. I have not seen that iteration. Uh, Mixed reviews from folks. um, And so I haven't, it has not uh, risen in my thing of new things to watch. (laughs) Yeah, so I've watched both seasons. It is like the original Twilight Zone in that some episodes can be really good. Some can be in the middle of the road and some can be really meh so you know classic twilight zone yeah yeah so yeah sounds just, like a really just, true. my favorite rendition color of uh of that is the simpsons one <laughs> so when bart trying to get to school and uh there's a, the the creature is on the side of the bus that's my favorite <laughs> favorite <Okay>. version <laughs> that is that one of those treehouse of horror things it was um yeah, I think it, it was one of the early Treehouse of Horrors. Not yeah. yeah, for some reason, the Treehouse of Horror episodes don't really do much for me. I oh. kind of just want them to be over. Oh. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't know why. The ones were great. And then I haven't watched them in a long time. I haven't watched any of the newer stuff. But uh, that that first one, well, the one that copies this one is just really, really funny to me. <laughs> so, like, I'm just playing in my head as I'm talking. <laughs> so. Right. The um, you know, so Richard Matheson, he was a huge fan of of William Shatner. It wasn't that he just happened to have him star in a couple of his Twilight Zone episodes. Matheson was a huge fan of the actor himself, and um, that in and of itself was one of several selling points for him to want to write for Star Trek. And it um, unfortunately didn't end the way we all thought it would or hoped it would, because Roddenberry, as we know did a lot of rewrites on top of these um, world-famous um, science fiction authors that wrote a lot of those first-season episodes, which is why you don't see them returning. <laughs> um, but And we talked about this a little bit before, where um, Rod, you know, um, Rod Serling was a writer and had an open mind around the concept of the anthology series that was The Twilight Zone, whereas um, in... Star Trek's case, Roddenberry was building a world, and it's very different. The stakes are different, and um, back that, but back then there was a writer's room concept, right? So these these individuals had written these episodes, and it was up to Roddenberry, and unfortunately Roddenberry alone, to tie it all to the world and the characters he was trying to build, and so a lot of these um, really famous authors actually just uh, felt rubbed the wrong way with these rewrites. And um, yeah, didn't come. Yeah, back. And, and again, I think uh, I subscribe to the to the whole thing of how like overall communication just should have been better. Like, if there's gonna be a change, you know, communicate with the writers about it. And you know, and just what they did, they actually did have um, some communication, but you also had a lot of pushback. Sorry, my mic is going a little bit, but you had a lot of pushback. Um, between the authors and uh, Roddenberry. And on top of the pushbacks was the fact that they were doing some of these rewrites and they never, they only got compensated at the end. So some of them didn't count. Some of them, if the title is writ- read correctly by Writers Guild rules, it's the first edition rough draft. Like like they didn't change the titles appropriately. And, and there's something to be said about that too. So um I just think for the for the era, if somebody in Roddenberry's position didn't think they needed to have to to explain themselves, but I also think he should have explained himself. I'm not excusing him at any you know for not. It's just I think at that time frame, 
he didn't think he needed to because it was his show. <laughs> but right. Not that, not that that's a good reason. It's just I think that's how yeah, he yeah. It. He he was he was the first fan to believe that it's Roddenberry's vision that counts the most. Exactly. <laughs> and his quote, though, um, and this was something that we learned is his favorite credo on scripts was, um, you know, scripts are um, aren't written they're uh, meant to be rewritten that's basically it that's there's there's no such thing as a you know one and done script it's always going to be rewritten and yeah that that kind of reminds me of that quote art is never finished is only abandoned but that sounds like the opposite of this (laughs) but i think that one is a little bit (laughs) yeah i think this one this one if not done correctly can rub somebody the wrong way and um with with that in mind, you know, the concept of the episode, Matheson um, had the transporter accident uh, produce a sort of Jekyll and Hyde. And he really just wanted to see William Shatner handle um, this character in a Jekyll and Hyde fashion. And Matheson's vision for the episode was solely a focus on William Shatner um, being super animalistic and super not. But it wasn't... I don't think I would have liked that. And I'm really happy there was a B storyline. I'm I'm actually happy that it was portrayed the way it was. And I know some folks have said that this is where like Shatner starts to overact and stuff. I was like, I didn't think he overacted. I've watched this a couple of times. Yeah, I, I didn't. Yeah. Well, I mean, upon reflection, I can kind of see that like with the evil side of Kirk, he's like, mm-hmm. oh, I am the captain. Yeah. But to me, it felt like it fit. Like this yeah. is a, uh, this is like a really out there, like no bounds, no strings on him. Kirk, who's just been unleashed, like yeah. it, it sounded like it fit. Yeah. It wasn't, it didn't feel as cringeworthy to me as uh, Charlie X with like Which the I yelling like. at, at the cringe. at the end of that. <laughs> well, well, specifically the yelling at the oh. end of that, where he's like, "When I arrived." <laughs> Yeah, maybe a little there, <laughs> but I don't think I, I don't think Kirk was over the top. I thought he was kind of I thought he was on point for that one too. But this yeah, one... it, it felt like they were depicting two different extremes of Kirk, like the more calm one and the more like um, a more evil one. So I thought it really worked. Yeah, I agree. I I think um, I, I disagree with some folks about this. It was like that the start of that. I think, oh, there's more to come later. Don't worry, we'll we'll get to that. But this that's this is not it, and this required that because of a specific scene, we'll, we'll, which we'll get to. Um, you know, the the premise um of this the transporter malfunction is that they're on this planet where um they're doing a survey and there's some creature. This is where we get the adorable dog in the costume. <laughs> you know? Yeah, with like the unicorn horn and the antennae. <laughs> yes, and the tail. It's a cute yeah. you know, that dog was um and I, I learned from the production that it's like a hundred bucks for the vet and the shot to keep the dog calm each time they use the dog outside of training fees and stuff. But the um the planet they, they need to get off the planet quickly because the temperatures drop um quite precipitously at night and um unfortunately the um the pup when get when it gets transported up gets transported again into two different halves but by then um i think kirk is already transported and they don't realize that there's two kirks <laughs> so right um what did you think of the usage of the the captain's log entries this time through 
it gave the story away, in my opinion, a little bit too much. I don't know if you... Yeah, I could see that. Like, I get that they have a pattern established with, like, doing the captain's log, but, like, I feel like they should have realized they don't need to do it all the time. Like, just do it. If the story works better without it, just do it without it, you know? Yeah. I, I like or or, or wait until the very end to do right. it. Right. Like, to me, like the the first entry felt fine, and then it was just in the middle of it where I get why they did it. And I, if I think about it more as far as the timing, I think it is at the show half potentially, where like some people might come in, tune in at the half mark. Um, but even then, it, it just sort of like oh, you just kind of given it away in, in, in the captain's log. But I I get. I get maybe why they had to do it that way. I just, um, I'm going to keep an eye out on that to see how often it's too much versus not. And I think this is the first time I've ever felt in original series that, eh, I could do without so many log entries, <laughs> you know, yeah. from the captain. Um, you know, with, um, with the B storyline that I was referring to before, um, I know Matheson didn't want it, but Roddenberry definitely wanted to keep it or wanted something there because he wanted to raise the stakes for everything that Roddenberry added. That's actually the reason why I liked the episode. I said this before, and I think that just my take on it was, like I said, he's, it's his vision, his cohesive vision of the world that he's building and the characters he's building, which is why I like these episodes so much, you know, and why they translate to me so much. Um, yeah, like having Sulu... Uh, you know, an officer be stranded with with his men down there, um, freezing to death, and because of the transporter malfunction, nobody um, wants to uh, take a risk and transport them up. And here's that really big giant elephant gorilla thing in the room, or giant furry dog in the room. Like, where was the shuttle? <laughs> yeah. Any- I mean. <laughs> Did we establish we had shuttles yet? I did that I I honestly can't remember if they mentioned shuttles before this one. I don't either, but it's something that even in the fan mail that came, but they loved it. But they're like, wouldn't he have some sort of secondary craft that can help them? <laughs> it was very very well stated, you know, um, in the one piece of fan mail that they they excerpted in this particular article. But I thought that was adorable, like the way the, way the person was like, you know. Any sort of military craft would have a secondary craft. <laughs> very, very logical yeah. sounding. Like all of us Star Trek fans, you know, as as we um, reasonably argue the finer points of Vulcan and human biology and things. <laughs> More to come on that here in a second. But um, with uh, with this one, that is a huge, huge miss in this episode. Yeah. Um, to be honest, though, I kept forgetting about the B storyline as I was watching the episode because I was more focused on what was going on in the A storyline. So whenever they'd cut back to, like, you know, Sulu and people, like, freezing, I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's happening. <laughs> right. I mean, to me, it's, um, <clears throat> it gave Sulu something to do, right, as far as, like, right. cast members go. So that was why I liked it. But, like, it didn't it just raised the stakes for, for Kirk, which is, you know, the overall thing for it, right? The, the reason why we have it. And I think they did a good job of, of balancing it so it's not, like, in your face, but, like, to your point, like, it's like, oh, yeah, that's right, those guys are about to die. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's probably, you know, fix that. 
And um, it takes the crew a while to figure out that there's two Kirks running around. And um, the evil Kirk is the uninhibited animalistic Kirk. And then there's the Kirk without those instincts of cunning and, um, you know, manipulation and all those negative traits. Um, yeah. And... And unfortunately, the one that I was supposed to root for was wearing the hideous lime green shirt. Yeah, it's my my <laughs> least favorite of the Kirk uniforms was the good guy or the the passive guy. I I didn't. Uh, yeah. I, I, so for for me, and very specifically for uh, those of us of a certain era, the uh, piping that was used or the gold etching that was so overdone in everything, and I had like several things hand you know sewn for me by family members or whatever that had that same gold threading on it so to me it was like how is that special because i have it you know it didn't you know it just it just looked kind of eh. <laughs> so um but you don't want the green color at all do you no <laughs> well not on, not on that shirt anyway gotcha. like it, it might work for other things but for some reason it just doesn't work on the shirts in this show <laughs> Um, do you think with the rendering of the shows on newer platforms that might be impacting the impression of the color? Because you know, I watched this over the air, like when I was a kid, not, not live, but, you know, in reruns in the late 70s, early 80s, into the 80s, but, uh, different, you know, it was still over the air and now we're watching it streaming, you know, it's been, um, remastered, redone. Like maybe it's more pronounced somehow. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. But I think there's like some story about how the gold shirt was actually green, but the lighting would make it look gold or something. Mm -hmm. Like, I, th I think that's a thing. Yeah, I think that sounds right. Yeah. yeah. I can't remember if that was true on TOS. I know that's a fact on TNG as well. Because I've seen some of the screen used items after the fact. I'm like, oh, that's the color? You know, so it right. doesn't translate at all to the right color. Um, but, you know, going back to just the evil Kirk versus good Kirk, that to me, I thought the theme was actually the title, The Enemy Within. You know, you're split in two. Yeah. You got to face yourself, right? But more specifically, the theme was around leadership, about using both of your halves in leader in the in the leader you are or becoming a leader so i thought that was kind of interesting like another way to spin it i i was thinking about uh other people's you know characters getting split in two and, and other things and in this case um going back to what i said about vulcan and human biology spock talks about how he is half human half vulcan and um he lives um, between the dichotomy of those two natures, he he overcomes them, and that that's who he is every day. He's fighting, you know, that battle of human versus Vulcan, and uh, I thought that was kind of interesting too. <clears throat> yeah, and as I was like thinking about this theme throughout the episode of, how, you know, t two of the same person, or they have like two different sides and needs to be balanced. It. Reminded me of like other franchises uh, that sort of played around with this theme. Um, there's the Yoda arc in the Clone Wars season six, where he sees like his, his darker half. Um, yeah. It's it's really trippy. Mm -hmm. um, and there's also uh, like 
the dark crystal with like the Skeksis and the right. mystics. I, it, it was really well done there. Um, and Twin Peaks dealt with doppel, like evil doppelgangers yep. as well. Um, and weirdly, uh, so we watched this episode, uh, two nights ago and, but during the night between, so like last night, I finally watched the Jordan Peele movie Us, oh. which also deals with doppelgangers and wow. I had no idea that it would. So that was kind of weird. <laughs> so did you like it or? Oh, the, the movie or the us? Oh. Yeah. Oh, um, I liked it. I but I thought the ending was too predictable. I, I like for me, it's like a seven point five out of ten, mm. and Get Out is a nine out of ten. Yeah, Get um, Out is. I think Get Out is better, but I liked. Yeah. Us is one of those like I watched it like this because I don't like gore. So, <laughs> um, I but I liked it, but I liked Get Out a lot more. It's just, right. To me, it's just better. To your point, like, the predictability of it. I was like, oh, let me guess. Yeah, well, well, like, I got what the allegory was, you know, the country being self-destructive. Like, I got what it was going for, but it wasn't as surprising, I guess. Right, 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 right. Yeah. yeah. But so going back to this one with this dichotomy. Yeah, the enemy within. No, 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 no. Hey, that's what we do. Uh, we're pop culture nerds, and so... <laughs> yeah, our pop culture side is the enemy within, within ourselves. Us, yes, our ability to just talk <laughs> about sidetracking pretty us. much any. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you know, let's talk about Lord of the Rings. Go, you know, we can we'll, we can talk yeah. about it. There's even a Stargate episode titled "Enemy Within." I like looked it up like yesterday. <laughs> oh my gosh, I don't remember the episode. It's titles. it's like the third episode or second episode or something. Is that what it's called? Oh, th is that yeah. the name of the episode? I think that is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 I own the series. I own this. I couldn't episode. tell you what happens in it, though. I I, I can. I, I know it now. It's like oh, okay. second episode. Yeah, I know what happens in that episode. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's kind of right. um, one of the characters gets taken over by Groot. That's all. Um, but the this in this particular season or this particular episode, you know, so the character, the evil Kirk. Um, goes through and picks a fight with other, you know, other uh, crew members. But then um, he he happens upon Yeoman Rand, and there is a scene that was shocking even in 1966, but it's still hard to watch today. And that's because basically it's an attempted rape scene. Yeah, and yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, and there's no ifs ands buts or about it. Like they. A lot of the production notes are around, um, do we keep the scene in the scene? You know, there was something to be said about like, like, yeah, we want, we got to, we have to do it, but how do we do it? How do we make it? So it's not, um, so bad that the censors, you know, we feel uncomfortable doing it and let alone the censors are going to yank it anyway, you know, let, let us air it. So, um, we, there was a lot of discussion around how to do it, but they, everyone agreed even Grace Lee Whitney, it, it, you know, it has to be in this because it, it really talks about just how cunning and despicable that other half of Kirk is and why um, the other half or the passive half is like, oh my gosh, I don't want this, but, you know, I'm, I can't make decisions without this other half of me. Like, I am, I, I am not complete and I hate that side and I don't like this person, but that is also me, you know. And, um, you know, that reconciliation that he has to come to grips with, that, that, that's 
that's him. He's fighting himself. He's literally fighting himself on this. Yeah. Like each person has a dark side and a light side Mm -hmm. and they need to be able to control and balance both of those for their own health. It's that old idea. Force balances of Star Wars. (laughs) Dark light and balance. (laughs) Yeah, or dark crystal, like I mentioned earlier. (laughs) (laughs) Let me guess George Lucas got it from here too. I mean, we all know that, you know, uh, yeah, everyone wars, right. everyone got something from everyone. Yeah, right, right. Well, very specifically, Lucas does cite Ron Berry as the influence of like yeah for this, but the light, light, dark, and and balance part. You know, I thought that was kind of funny. I was like, I literally, you know, talk about that all the time <laughs> with uh, yeah. Star Wars. With um, so with that particular scene, you know, um, Grace Lee Whitney talked about just how wonderfully uh, uh, physical of an actor William Shatner was, but um doing those scenes because she was super light and thin at that time um she was bruised like for days because i mean she was literally getting thrown around the room um because he's such a physical actor and she's like oh yeah i mean he was you know a peach filming it and everything else but it was still um worth the effort and she really liked the dichotomy that um she says you know grace uh grace Lee Whitney talks about rand um, not being explored for her dichotomy or her balance. Like she likes, she has a crush on her, on her boss. Right. And her boss is making a pass at her. And she's like, wait, he's my boss, but I like him. And then suddenly it turns into, into her worst nightmare. But right. you know, her guilt is that she actually has a crush on the guy too. Yeah. And, and it's more unsettling than Charlie X. Cause yes. it's like Kirk is, a man in a position of power yeah. and that has even more unfortunate implications. More, more unfortunate, yeah. And I'm, I'm smiling a little bit because we had a similar conversation about people in power about another Star Trek franchise of Voyager on Voyager of um, Chakotay and, uh, and Janeway, right? And um, mm. coming up on the Delta Flyers, uh, Robert Beltran is actually going to talk about a specific episode he's going to be a guest on there and he's going to talk about the Janeway Chakotay relationship <laughs> so I can't actually oh okay that. yeah yeah but, so maybe it'll be out by the time this comes out yeah or, I don't know. yeah maybe <laughs> yeah we can like compare like I'm, I'm really curious to know what he says because everyone else there was ten there was tension there that was never resolved or um did, you know dealt with but this is completely different this is a violent um way to reveal attraction right because basically kirk is attracted to rand obviously but does nothing about it because it's his um you know direct report and rand has a crush on her boss and is terrified of like her dream turning into a nightmare so um talk about like there's like a lot of different layers to that um but can i talk about this one other like fun thing i actually learned for the first time um there's a scene where yeah, sure. yeah Ro- Ro- Roman Yeoman Rand let's the bond put together is Roman <laughs> um, Yeoman Rand actually once um, is is talking to Dr. McCoy about um, what's happened and she's very very frightened because she's about to rat out on her senior officer for you know uh, raping her and and basically um, at, while they're filming the scene they're uh, excuse me <clears throat> let me start that over my throat 
he's about to give us. So um, there's a scene that I wanted to talk about very specifically. It's um, when Yeoman Rand is um, talking to Dr. McCoy about what had happened. And she's fearful. She's crying. But um, in actuality, it's 20 till noon and everyone's kind of hungry and everyone's freaking out that they don't think that Grace Lee Whitney is going to hit the mark and they're going to have to do a couple of takes of it. Right. And no pressure on Miss Whitney, but she um, also feels this, too. So she's she is um, really worried that she won't be able to dig deep for those deeper um, feelings for the scene and um sure enough she's just not into it she's not you know she's not feeling it and then she says out of nowhere um bill shatner comes off of you know, comes out from behind the camera and smacks her really hard across the face and she fell into character and then they filmed it and did it in one take <laughs> so um they call that they call it the slap <laughs> so, yeah um but yeah it was just another thing of like um bill shatner helping a fellow fellow teammate um, i mean i i probably would have quit if i were in that position if i'm being honest um having but... acted a thing before i um in a particular scene that they did repeatedly i was slapped about 10 times oh wow and um yeah i just took it like i i had to learn to not like flinch right and so the woman i was the woman who's portraying my mother was a very seasoned actress and so um yeah she told me like you're not gonna know which which hand because <laughs> each time you know like depending on whatever we were trying to you know whatever angle whatever she would change it so i wouldn't know where it was coming from i just knew that i was supposed to act like a brat she's supposed to act like my mom and you know um and that's how we filmed it but yeah i, I got smacked several times <laughs> so you just take it. And in her particular case, you know, put, putting somebody into character, digging deep. I understood exactly what you're talking about. Sometimes you just, you don't, your well is empty. You just don't have it in you to to cry or, or to feel the crying. And unfortunately, I have a scene like that too, where it's obvious that I, yeah, I had nothing in the tank. And you just, mm. you just go with it. You're done. It's, it's unfortunate. I, I wish I had somebody smack me across the face at that point in time. Uh. Yeah, um, because it wasn't meant as a, you know, abuse or whatever. It's just that she needed that, uh, what's it called? Um, she needed the uh, push. So, and that's how she took it. Um, everyone seemed to be okay with that. So, um, but there was uh, some other interesting things about this episode. This is the first time that they used the Vulcan nerve, Vulcan nerve pinch. Did you know that? I didn't know that either. Right. Yeah. You, yeah. You told me about that right yeah. before and I didn't know. That. I didn't know because these, this episode was filmed fourth. it aired fifth. And so, um, things that we think about or know, like, you know, that might've already happened, but you just take for granted and you don't realize that, um, it, you know, it took some energy and some creativity to have it happen in the Vulcan nerve pinch case. Spock actually, um, went behind, I say Spock, I mean Leonard Nimoy, like we did this before. Yeah. Um, Leonard Nimoy went behind uh, Roddenberry's back and worked with the director and William Shatner to figure out something to do. And then basically um, the production staff kind of had to accept it because it was already done. <laughs> so, like, yeah, like so, oh, okay. Yeah, they went against Gene Roddenberry's vision. <laughs> oh, I know, right? 
And, um, you know, Roddenberry um, does eventually have a conversation about that with Nimoy. Like, hey, you know, I get it. There's notes and things, but let's rein it in a little bit. But it, um, that happened in this episode, during the production of this episode, and I think a subsequent episode, because we've actually talked about some of the other ones already. <laughs> so uh, they've, uh, they've definitely had uh, to, to have some conversations about uh, the notes. But... I like that because it sounds like Nimoy already had a vision for his character, right? He kind of already knew what he wanted um, Spock to be like. And it's an alien character. Like, how do you know that? You know, that's pretty cool. Yeah. But again, communication is key. <laughs> right, right. And what I found was kind of interesting about the idea of the nerve pinch was like, hey, how about if I do this? And Bill's like, He's like, I, w- I need to practice this on somebody, and Bill apparently just like, oh yeah, I'll do it. And because he can, he can faint on cue pretty well, <laughs> they kept practicing and wanted to see how they could do it. So I just had this vision in my head of like them practicing this. <laughs> it's like, yeah. <laughs> oh man. So um, you know, with with the rest of this episode as it goes, they um, I liked everything until the very very end of it where. Um, the scene on the bridge where basically the two Kirks battle it out and um, have that, that basically I think one of them just collapses into the arm of the other. I just kind of felt that was kind of anticlimactic for me. Uh, I don't know. I felt like it worked okay. thematically because it's like the two sides need to well, they, they come need together to and reunite because they can't like operate um you know, like as much as the one that's like yelling and whatever wants to be his own person, it's like it's not doable. Like they have to be reunited. Um, it's basically they have to become two Vix, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> I like the Voyager references that keep going back and yeah. <laughs> how far apart the two shows are, but how how connected they are. Yeah. <laughs> Um, with um, with the two halves, you know, like I like what you said. It kind of it makes me kind of rethink that. Um, yeah, they couldn't survive without each other, so they needed each other. I mean, ultimately, like the the episode resolves itself, and and uh, you know they figure uh, they test um, they test their fix on the dogs, and in all the meantime, you know, Sulu and the men are still like freezing on the surface of the planet, and um, nobody dies in this episode except for Evil Kirk. An evil dog. Right. And, and I guess you could argue that it's not technically a death if they're just reuniting into, like, completing the whole, if, if that makes sense. Right. Like, I don't right. know. It, it, yeah. It's weird. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's cool, but it's weird. It's the anti-Tuvix. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, he was split in two and must become one, whereas Tuvix was two that became one. And uh, if y'all yeah. haven't watched Star Trek Voyager, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a conversation for a whole other day. It's like that could take yeah. an hour. <laughs> yeah. Um but okay, so do we want to talk about the final scene? Yeah, uh, are, yeah. are we there? Yeah, we're uh, there. Yeah. Yeah, so I thought it was rather odd that like the way so Rand says that the evil Kirk said like like explained himself or whatever so I guess the romantic feelings or like I guess Val's my reading of it and then like Kirk 
like tries to like brush off the subject because you know he's captain he's in charge and then rand goes over to spock and he says something about um kirk's behavior in like but he says it in like a manner that seems like it's supposed to be amusing but like the facial expression he provides almost seems malevolent like mm-hmm. as if there's like this twist ending that spock is an evil person now or something i don't know like I, uh, why it comes across that way to me this episode was also the first time that um we see the spock mccoy feud debate thing and Nimoy was actually against it that was the note that he wanted another note he was trying to give to Rodney like, I don't like the fights I don't think they would be that antagonistic to each other but that that's exactly what we like about the relationship is the fact yeah. that they're um they don't like each other I mean they like each other they respect each other immensely definitely but they they also just um have this sort of an, yeah what was it um the way it was described is that uh, there's two, there are two opposite like, ends, and Kirk is the rope, like they're of a tug of war battle, constantly. Yeah, yeah. like they're foils to each other. Yes. They are, they are the two incompatible roommates in the sitcom. Right, right, right. And then like, I think Kirk is the house. And then that analogy, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> Kirk is the couch, and they can't decide like who who gets at the end. <laughs> so, right. They. Um, uh, but I, I did think it was also weird how Rand, like, at the end, just seems fine. with Like, it, it feels like everything's resolved easily when really, like, uh, I, I don't know. Like, I, I can't speak for anyone in this position, but I would think that it would be scary to still serve uh, around Captain Kirk, knowing what's within him. Right. You know? Um, I can see that as... An- an issue for somebody who um why like I, i'm trying to think of a good way to explain yeoman rand's seeming um acceptance of it and it could be that she is accepting of it because she also understands that this is not how he normally is and she's got more evidence to say what he normally is like but i wouldn't doubt that had this been written now we would have seen a bit more apprehension from Yeoman Rand in future episodes. Like, yeah, like maybe it would be touched upon again yeah. like in the following episodes. Yeah. yeah. And I think this is like where we're we're getting that notion of something that they're trying to turn like episodic a little bit, right? There's going to be some con- continuity here and there, but for the most part episodic, so they're basically uh wrapping a little bow on it. And unfortunately, the message it also sends is that you can be horrible to a person. Um um, from a position of power and ask for forgiveness and they'll give it to you. <laughs> I'll never bring right. it again. Okay. Yeah, so so that's why even though like the ending kinda plays it off like it's a happy ending, like an optimistic ending, it's it's hard for me to look at it in that light because of these strange, unsettling undertones. Yeah, and I mean that's us from this era looking back on it and also try you know like from that era's perspective um she forgives her boss and and they move forward and they they forget about it and and you know unfortunately like even back then something like that would have that's how it would have been treated so um and in this particular case like kirk is not that guy i mean that is part of who he is but he is 
very much, you know, as he says in the episode, like, he fights that, he fights that person. Like, that's not, that's not him at all. That's just, that's like the deeper, darker underbelly of him that he doesn't ever yeah. see. So. It's like his inner demons mm-hmm. that he keeps in check. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what about your take on, uh, did you have any bones to pick this time? Oh, yes. So, um, I think this actually ties into, um, this will probably tie into our favorite quotes, but, um, I'm going to just look at the thing that Bones says. I think our our favorite quotes are sort of next to each other as far as the dialogue goes, if I recall. Yeah. So, at one point in the episode, um... McCoy says that the animal could have died of some kind of shock. And then Spock is like, for once, I agree with you. And then McCoy yells, I said, could have, Mr. Spock. We don't know until we get a full postmortem. And it's like, dude, chill. Like, he's (laughs) he's agreeing with you. Like, just cooperate, you know? Like, you're all on the same side. Yeah. Um, and there's also that part where um um where they talk about like the darker side mm-hmm. and he says um so he says something about like he doesn't like that he's agreeing with Spock or something. Oh um, if um, I remember correctly. Yeah. It's uh I've got that. Um, I think it might be that's kind of exactly near our favorite quote I think <laughs> so um, right. well I know like what Mr. Spock says to Kirk there's another like second my second favorite is like uh, about the actual theme of the episode which is leadership right um, or leadership um, and managing the dichotomy of you know your own personality and using both halves for it he says you, you know you, you can't afford the luxury of um, being anything less than perfect. If you do, they lose faith and you lose your command. So that was my second favorite quote um, from it. And it's actually Spock to Kirk, but I think you're talking about something that. Um, okay, McCoy yes. Made. Yeah. Yeah, so McCoy says. Uh, so, okay, so I think this is the exchange you and I were talking about beforehand. So McCoy mm-hmm. says. Jim, you're no different than anyone else. We all have our darker side. Mm-hmm. We need it. It's half of what we are. It's not really ugly. It's human. Yes. And then and then Kirk says human. And then McCoy says, yes, human. A lot of what he is makes you the man you are. God forbid I should have to agree with Spock, but he was right. Yeah. Without the negative side, you wouldn't be the captain. You couldn't be, you know, and you know it. Your strength of command lies mostly in him. Uh, so yeah, like in there, he's like, God forbid I should agree with Spock. It's like, dude, chill. But at the same time, like he's saying this profound uh, quote. Um, And and it also uh, reminded me of something I want to bring up. But so the thing about at some point they mentioned that since Kirk is the captain, um, they shouldn't mention what's going on because like the the crew should see him as a strong leader he shouldn't look vulnerable in front of him or in front of them that 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 feels very different from like today where we want to see our like 
Starfleet leaders be a bit more, uh, or at least I do, be a bit more vulnerable and open with the crew and be more like a family, you we know? We call it authentic leadership, right? So right. Uh, being vulnerable um, adds to your authenticity. Now, there is something to be said about what the quote that I read about what Spock said to Kirk, where um, uh, there isn't, um, to put it another way, command is isolation. There is... Um, it's lonely at the top. There's another way to say it, right? Basically, you do need to keep yourself somewhat distanced from people that report to you. You can't be too much of a friend, you know, because you're not. Ultimately, you're still above them in some other way. You're doing their rankings. You're doing their evaluations. You're going to maybe fire them, you know, or let them go for other reasons that are not related to performance. And so, you have to keep yourself in check. And so you can't be that authentic. Now, from that era of the show to now, um, they spend a lot of time coaching us on how to like be leaderly, authentic, vulnerable, right. but not give away the house. <laughs> so, um, because you don't want to give too much away. But I, the, the one thing about that particular scene which bothered me was like at some point in time they actually do let the crew know that there's a doppelganger running around, um, but I always kind of felt like the, the fact that they were like, oh no no no, we shouldn't tell anybody about this was very very like scary. I'm like, but shouldn't people know that there's another guy? That's yeah, like <laughs> kind of rapey. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like like there there are a lot of things that this episode does well, but there are little things like that, or or I guess they're big things like because of the subject matter really that kind of like like this episode has its imperfections mm -hmm. you know there's some things that could have been done better and i don't know if that um where those complications or how they could have resolved in the amount of time that they had for the filming yeah. of it. like you know it just there's these are big questions it's a really big question or a really big topic to cover and uh, because of the incidents that had transpired already, it's difficult to, you know, I think they did the best that they could in the time they gave themselves. But in the modern era of thinking this, that concept would be a two-parter for sure. You would take two, two episodes to go through everything and resolve it, um, including going through Yeoman Rand's personal story about getting over it. That would be a part of it, but this is 1966, so um, yeah. we're not gonna we're not gonna have that. We're gonna it's gonna be male dominated storylines, right? So, well, like it, it it does it is a strong episode, but mm -hmm. I think so far where no man has gone before is still my favorite mm -hmm. of these early ones. Yeah, I could say that. I could say that. Um, we're getting closer to some of my favorites. I think I like this episode because of the. The, the questions it's talking about but yeah. upon this rewatch it's it's a little different for me because I think the last well I know the last time I watched it um heck I've seen this episode like a million times I'm trying to think of the last time I watched it outside of the age group that I'm in right now <laughs> so did it change for me when I was younger yeah I didn't see these themes but as I've gotten older I do see these themes more um differently now for sure so yeah i think last time i watched it may have actually been 2012 so wow that's a long time 
Yeah, I try to watch them every couple of years. So definitely after 2012, because I was where I'm living now. So no, I was, I was here. I just, <laughs> <laughs> I just don't remember what year, but it was after 2012, but it was a couple of years ago for sure. <laughs> so, right. So, um, but um, every so I guess unless you want to bring anything else up, maybe we could go into same universe, different universe. Yes, my favorite game, actually, because um, <laughs> because when we were watching it, uh, you were thinking because you thought you thought it was mirror. And I was like, I don't think that I don't think this. OK, I'm like, am I wrong? Is he wrong? I don't know. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah, because I'd forgotten that this wasn't the first mirror universe episode. Because <laughs> right. Right. I, I was like, but there's no beard. <laughs> Yeah, there's only Kirk. <laughs> so, um, so what are you thinking? Same or different? Um, well, well, to explain the game first oh, yeah. for any newcomers, we like to pr- pretend that like um, each episode could potentially be in a different universe. If there are any inconsistencies, kind of poking fun at like the tendency to say, "Oh, this isn't canon because this." isn't like that or whatever so right. it's just us having fun we know it's all prime but um if i had to pick i would say that this is so we're so we're debating whether this is the same or different universe as the naked time the previous episode right um i'm gonna say this is the same universe because at the end of the naked time they're like we can now go back in time and of course, this episode was filmed before that episode, so that <laughs> explains that. That's funny. Um, I want to say that this is a crossover between the two. Like, I think you're right. That this could have been a Mirror Universe episode. What they think of as a transporter accident could easily have been a commingling of Mirror and Prime Universes, and they just don't know it yet. Yeah, what wouldn't it be something if if they revealed that like this transporter accident like was in itself a big bang that created the mirror universe and so it goes outwards so it creates the past and future of it. That would be funny. And then like that explains like, you know, in Discovery where um they talk about how the, the, the mirror universe and the prime universe are this far apart now, like and it's harder yeah. to traverse and whatever. Yeah, yeah I mean I, I, I know it's all prime, but it's just yeah. funny to think about like just some of the arguments that people get into on the internets and that, you know, we, we yeah. were a part of and we, we make fun of too. Yeah. Um, I mean, we do see evil Kirk looking in the mirror. Yeah. So foreshadowing. Yeah. There you go. There you go. <laughs> um, I'll have to figure out when that one got written versus the idea concept, because we do see sometimes that the concept was there and, and the treatment was written, but the episode yeah, we see that they like to repeat some of the same ideas so yeah. far. Yep, yep, yep. Well, <laughs> well. Um, any other thoughts on this episode other than um, uh, the theme that we talked about? Its uh, relevance to me is still um, pretty significant. Oh, yeah, I it's did want to def- yeah, definitely, um, yeah. definitely. Um, I I would still say it's a must watch. Yeah. Um, because it does raise some things that need to be talked about so yeah it's and it's very well executed for the most part i think um i think it's good that they showed um as uncomfortable as it was to see rand be attacked by kirk like i'm glad that he didn't 
get any further with yeah. that. But I think it was the right choice to show her like fighting him off mm-hmm. rather than leave it off screen because yeah. you know the imagination could make it worse. So uh, I think they made the right call showing it uh, in this manner. Yeah, I think so too. I think um, I'm glad that there was discussion and debate about it. One of the things that this rewatch is affording me is the ability to go back and read through the production notes and see like what was actually discussed and what wasn't. Because sometimes you you see these things out of context and you're like, who decided that was a good idea? And we're going to have some of those coming up this era of the show and then in TNG for sure. Like, why did that get green light? You know, there's some of that... um, that I'm anxious to learn about, but uh, this one, it's nice to see that they were talking about it in, in all the right ways, even for 1966 that, Hey, this is, this is, this is a huge thing. Do we, how do we approach it? Do we do it at all? Why do we need this? You know, what do we, what's the, why should we go, you know, put everyone through this, um, you know, to, to film this if, if it doesn't serve the purpose and it served the right purpose, it, it worked out. Um, in a, the right way. And, and I will want to, I wanted to add uh, something that um, we did skip over just out of our own uh, for, um, zeal to talk about, which universe. Yeah, I, I mean, there, there's so much to talk about with this episode. <laughs> yes, right. Um, so what was going on in the world at the time this was being filmed, not when it aired, but when it filmed. So that's something that um, is important to keep in mind because as the writers are writing and, and Roddenberry's rewriting, these things creep in um to the conversation of the episode and they, they, or maybe they inform the story in this particular case. It doesn't seem to, but um, painted black by the Rolling Stones was number one. Also you had um, Nelson Mandela was sentenced to life in prison in South Africa. And um, in the U S the Supreme court um, instituted Miranda, basically Miranda came, became a thing. And that's all when this episode was being filmed. That was what was happening in the world. And those are just the highlights, um, big highlights. Um, talk about an interesting time. And I say that fully aware that this is here right. in L2 pandemic <laughs> part dough. But um, this is, um, yeah. this is uh, that I will say is a very um, interesting time in, in the world's history, you know, like, on one hand, you have somebody who will triumph eventually, but probably wasn't thinking that at the moment they were being you know, escorted to jail for life. And then over here in the States, um, I know the case of Miranda pretty well, but um, so I know uh, who it was for. And, you know, this guy didn't think that what happened to him was going to matter, but it ended up, you know, changing the way law enforcement that we understand it works. I mean, it's wrote for us, Miranda, but you know, it was not back then. So interesting, interesting times. I'm looking forward to watching the next episodes. Thanks everyone for watching this episode of Star Trek culture with um, me, Leon Ahmed and and my co-host, Stephen Schinder. Star Trek culture can be found on culture slate on all the regular um, social media platforms. If you want to join our Patreon account, you can get some behind the scenes and, other uh, fun little things if you are a member and if you want to talk to us directly go ahead and let us know your thoughts on star trek culture podcast at gmail.com and i'm gonna say uh musma or jolan true and i'm going for rom you know vulcan and romulan <laughs>
live long and stay balanced. <laughs>